0: This Booker T5Time Five Time Five Time Five Time Five Time time, WCW Champion You Listen to Top Five Comics. Now can you dig that, sucker? Bum bum Bum, bum, ban it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Top 5 Comics proudly brings to you its tag team champion of the world, the Road dog, Curtis James, the badass, Stevie Gunn, the new age outlaws. And if you're not down with that, we got two words for you.
1: Read it. It's <laughs> <That's> pretty good. <laughs> Let's read it. We're joined by. Uh, HBK? HBK. Ross. Or Triple H. Oh, sweet. <laughs> sweet chin music. Yep. That's right. It's, that was a combo for a minute. Well, that was his maneuver. Oh, that's sweet chin right. music. That's true to kick him in the face. It's good stuff. <laughs> Sorry. You're leading this show. No, no, you're good. It's good, it's good stuff. Uh, all right. Well, welcome to Top of Comics podcast. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh today we're gonna be doing episode number eighty eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Wow, that was It's been a while. No, no, that's true, that's true. Uh looks like we're we're gonna talk about uh Just Power Rangers number one, Gamora number two, Moss is Unleashed from Marvel, number one. Yeah. And WWE, number one. Yeah. And then uh, maybe Curse Words from uh, Image Comics. Maybe. Maybe. It's, it's full of magic ma- magic powers and a crazy beard. He doesn't want to look at it. That's all right. It's understandable. <laughs> the artist is God Hates Astronauts, and it, is, it does have wait, crazy wait. art.
2: Is that his name?
1: No. No. He's all the same right. guy who did the art for God Hates Astronauts. Oh, okay. So depending whether you were exposed to that book or not... It is chaos. You don't want exposure. Well, that's <laughs> not the same thing we're talking about, though. Could be. Okay. okay. That's what happened in Outbreak. That's something entirely different. Oh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> There's a monkey, and then... Well, they're yeah, exposed. They suits. Yeah, that's true. You were talking about exposure. well. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. Something to get when you're outside
0: too long of cold. 33 millimeter, 32. What's that movie? 28 eight,
1: millimeter. 8 millimeter?
2: Yes. Okay i don't know <clears throat> what's going on anymore <laughs> so
1: it's so all right you started him the numbers and so i was with it to stop it i don't have any clue what's happening eight millimeter that was a movie with nicholas cage yeah it was so, is that when he was an ambulance driver no is that bring out your dad or There's, something like that i don't remember what the name of that was but it was crazy
2: bring out your dad
1: that's like, I mean, when, during christmas when someone's bringing a sled behind them no yes that wasn't christmas that's well no, his movie wasn't during Christmas oh, but in general. I was thinking of python. Oh. Bring out a python to you. Oh, okay, well in case I was in a totally different place then. <laughs> yeah you were. Ringing a bell outside, dragging a sled behind him, <laughs> Bring out your dad. No. That's what they did. Christmas thing. Not Christmas. I say it should be. Is that about trees? No. For people. People. What about people trees? I think it's totally I am <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, my God. Courage ah, got some news? I do not. You were just telling me about some news, though. I forgot it. That's not true?
0: Really? Bradley Cooper. Yes. Tom Cruise. Yes. Ryan Reynolds. Yes. They're eyeing them for Hal Jordan. Correct. Which is strange, because Bradley Cooper is a space rodent. Well, yeah. He has a galaxy. That's true. He doesn't like to be called a rodent, though. Well,
1: that's because he's a raccoon. That's strange. Also he doesn't like to be called that. Raccoon? Yes. Yeah. Rocket. It's weird the the choices is that we are saying. Maybe. Well Cooper we really don't use his face for that movie, so Well Tom Cruise is like five foot five. How is that f- gonna be intimidating? F- you film him taller in everything he's in. Not Jack Reacher. Okay, well except for Jack Reacher. He's intimidating Jack Reacher. What was that show where he was a bald guy? And Tropic Thunder? Okay. I didn't even realize he was in that movie. Yeah, he's the uh, sleazy uh, s- uh, promoter of Someone the movie, like, oh. and then at the end during the credits, he dances. Oh my gosh! It's, it's not great. like Baby Groot. No, no, different. Kind good. of like it. He's short enough. It's kind of well. <clears throat> no, yeah, It's not like Baby Groot, but it is fantastic. What else? Witchblade. Uh, Witchblade's supposed to be renewed or no? Having a new a reboot, a reboot something, something or other by NBC
0: because it was on TNT.
1: It recall. was, originally on TNT. And Nancy Butler was her name? Uh, the actress, yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and Dave, our buddy Dave from Aspen, had a lot to do with that show, too. Did it really? Back in the day, it did, yeah. He was one of the main producers on it. I wonder if Blockade Entertainment's attached to it. Is that what... That's the name of the company's... Yeah, yeah, his... his. I don't know who the other guy is, but him, the company he's got, the ones that did uh, Ratchet & Clank. Which that's the only movie they've been... The only one I'm aware of, Yes. Mm. Uh, that just means the only one that's happened. Must be Machina. Uh, Do sex. I think that's
0: a game. Um, what else? <laughs> 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 something entirely different. There's other stuff I read that I don't remember. Okay. I Raj, saw,
2: saw a cool cover of uh, Teen Titans today. What's the? Or th- yesterday. I don't remember. Friday yesterday? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Is it the one you me <laughs> uh, a picture of? Yeah, okay. it's got Well, the previous issue, they showed Aqualad on it. Right. In this issue, it shows Aqualad with the Teen Titans up against King Shark.
1: Right. He was dancing on water, wasn't he? King Shark or Aqualad? Aqualad. Well, the the first cover, he's like attacking forward through it, and everyone's behind him, sort of. The other one, it, it's there, the giant hammerhead shark coming up to eat them like jaw style. I hear you. It's kind of awesome. That, that's
2: new king shark, right? Because king yes. shark was a great white originally. originally.
1: yes. The new one's hammerhead, which I'm not sure why. Dumb. It's just interesting
2: it the, the, what they choose to bring from previous
1: continuity and what they're keeping from... New 52? Yeah. Yeah, that is a little odd. I, I have a feeling that at some point we'll have multiple king sharks... I don't know how that works. If then they can't be the king guy, shark. Well, I mean, if you kill the king, then you're the king, right? Subordinate shark. Well, that's what you start out as. Yeah. It's like leveling up. What if it's like a knight shark?
2: Uh, like chess pieces? Yeah. Kind of a yeah. Pawn shark?
1: your bishop sharp? shark? I would think that, what's the one with the, the long nose, the metal, the, the shark with the pointed nose? You think a narwhal? No. Oh. You're swordfish. A swordfish. That's is that, that a shark? shark? not a shark. should be. Short swordy of the
0: nights That'd be creepy. Yeah. What about a t- tiger shark? You
1: need to stop. <laughs> Why? <laughs> tiger shark is a totally different guy. Oh yeah, That's totally a different guy. Hammerhead guy. He's also a guy with the things. Beast oh turns God. into a fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. How is that going to
0: help things?
1: It's not. A distraction. Good job, Garth. <laughs>
0: Trying to get job. away, man.
2: Yeah.
0: It is, isn't and, are you, isn't name Garth too?
2: Oh, uh, the well, other Aqualad. Tempest. Tempest. Yeah. Okay. Tem- Is he on the team? Mm, He's on the Titans. regular Titans.
0: Uh, not Teen Titans. So we got Garth on the Titans and Garth on the Teen Titans. Those are two different yep. people, though.
1: Yeah. Nice. Or are they? Could I'm going to say they are because of skin color. Mm, I guess so. Yeah. One's green? Yes. Oh.
2: Guess which one? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <that's>,
1: <laughs> the one that changes the animals. Come oh, on, man.
2: Focus. My apologies. Yes. Yeah, right. So they're also uh, trying to make a Black Adam solo film. Really? Yeah, so with The with Rock? The, with The Rock, Oh, yep. man, that guy
0: can carry a film, though.
2: Yeah. Man. It'd be interesting if we had a Black Adam before a Shazam or anything.
0: I think that'd be cool. I, mean, I think yeah, it'd, I it'd be pretty cool. That. I think it'd be different. It'd oh, be yeah.
2: cool to see. Because that was in, what? When's that slated
0: to go? 2019 or something? Uh,
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) There's been pictures showing up like since the since whenever the deal started or whatever, Mm -hmm. because that's been something being talked about for like at least a year, maybe two. Right. So, The Rock's also supposed to. I guess The Rock is supposed to have bought the rights to Big Trouble in Little China. I don't know if anything's been done with it. I thought they were filming that already. Maybe. It's been a while since I heard anything about that. And what it was being used for, I don't know. Jack Burton? Jack Burton is from Big Trouble, China. yes. Mm, good job,
0: Rain. <laughs> I recalled that from nowhere.
2: That's <laughs> <laughs> the main character's name,
0: man. I
1: haven't seen that movie in years. <laughs> well, it's, it's fantastic. You really should. Snake Plissken. That's a different movie. Same actor. Kurt Russell. Oh. <laughs> if they're going to reboot it, I don't see why not. That'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be interesting if they did a reboot that direction? Where he played both parts on the other side? That'd be kinda cool. Then they could do like what
0: Boom Studios did and yeah. make a comic book about it? Yeah, like double team or whatever that band
1: flick was. Double it was was uh what was that called? Double Double Dragon? No. There was Double Dragon. In a movie. And yeah. a movie. Double a cartoon. I yeah, think. What was it called? It was I double something. Know. I'm looking to you for Double guys. take? No. <clears throat> I can't remember that. Was that one with Rodman? I showed you that the other day? Yeah, I haven't seen that still. Why not? I don't know. You don't like Dennis Rodman? It's not that. I just wasn't aware of it
0: existing. He's a basketball player? Yeah. Yes. He was in a movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Called Double (laughs) Craptastic. That's not the name of it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Also hung out with Kim Jong-un. Fighting Van Damme. That's weird. Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un. Is that what his name is over in South Korea? Kim Jong-il? Yes, there you go. Is that it? Kim Jong-un? I think you're right. I think Un is the, yes. The son Pretty sure that's right. Of the junior. I I don't visit for a reason. The junior of the evils. Yes. Okay. Not like Doctor Evil. No, that's I sing on the blog. No, that's Doctor Horrible. Oh, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, right. I know. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike Myers, excuse me. Yeah, you're fine. Yes, okay. You can't be right all the time. It's well, that's, that's not totally true. You but try. I did do try. Man. <laughs> Trying to figure out a way to make that spin line. Anything else?
2: They showed a new trailer for the new Power Rangers movie. Oh, and it showed uh, Brian Cranston as uh, Zordon. In huh. a, that's crazy. Which, there's crazy history there because that was one of his first acting roles. Was doing like random voices for random enemies in the of oh, Power Rangers. That's crazy. Weird. And so he, I guess it was something he wanted to do and got on back onto it, but.
1: I originally wasn't
2: sold on that movie, and after that trailer with him, and uh, they showed all the Zords and the Megazord and everything in right. it, and they were all pretty cool looking. So.
0: Remember that fan-made trailer? Yeah. Is it going to be like that? No. it's going to be more
2: poppy? Yeah, more poppy. It's more like, the first trailer, I wasn't sold at all, because it looks like it's like a teen drama movie. Uh-huh. But this one looks like the teen drama movie, but now they have superpowers and giant robots. Robots sell it. Yeah, it's easy sell for me right there. What about for somebody that doesn't like or doesn't know Power Rangers? I don't think you have to know anything. I have a hard time seeing a lot of people that weren't interested before being interested now, though, either maybe younger kids that are about the age where they would see that and
1: be like, oh, it looks like a cool movie. And do right. it, but... Yeah, I don't... I, I don't know. If you weren't exposed to it earlier, the, the idea of it's supposed to be like basically a reboot of the series. Yeah. So it's supposed to be the first string of Rangers, I guess. Again. Again. New, new versions of them, though. And right. We well, had yeah, yeah. different actors and different... everything else.
2: But it doesn't look stupid. It kind of looks stupid still. Well, well you, you know how so. some of the...
0: Uh, What's, like, the key... Oh, Cayman Rider? Cayman Rider looks stupid now. Like, beyond ridiculous. Older ones, yeah. I mean, no, the new ones. Well, they're over the top because of extra money. Oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Does it look ridiculous? It doesn't look like that. No, no.
2: Okay. It looks more like a Transformers movie at this point than anything. Mark
1: Wahlberg. If Mark Wahlberg was in it, I would have sold to go. I know you would have. Yeah. you like some Marky Mark. very true. <laughs> He's, he's my favorite. say so you can't make a bad movie, but they made that one movie with the rock, and that yeah, just made that me was sad inside. game? That made me sad inside. I think he's made more than that as a bad movie. No. That's it.
0: Have you seen all of them? Pretty the sure. last Transformers wasn't very good either. I liked it just
1: fine. <laughs> <laughs> he, he pulls a rocket out of Optimus Prime's chest and shoots it in his house because he's stupid. It's awesome. <laughs> we didn't shoot on a purpose. One of those things that happens sometimes. It was meant to be dumb. Yeah. Yeah. It was done on purpose, not because it was stupid. It's <laughs> stupid. Fantastic. All right. Yep. So, speaking of Power Rangers. Speaking of Power Rangers. That was a good segue, Ross. It's trying. Try <laughs> yeah. <for a> We're <laughs> moving to uh, Justice League Power Rangers number one. Just to let like you know, there will be spoilers. Will be spoilers. This is uh, a crossover with Boom Comics and DC Comics. Um, Ross, remember who writes those? Tom Taylor and Stephen Byrne. Stephen Byrne doing the art? Doing art and colors. Nice. Mm. It's it's a good looking book. Yeah. Mm. So, as far as uh, Power Rangers, uh, the regular series of Power Rangers has been pretty good too, actually, the one from Boom. I don't think either one of these guys work on that, but it's been good by itself. Yeah. We were talking, the
2: movie's like a reboot. The comic is like a weird continuation reboot all at the same time. Kind of, yeah. Because it's like a continuation of a show, but as if it was like happening now
1: instead of in the 90s when it came out. Right. So it's been modernized, and we're still done with the original cast, but the original cast from the original show. So yeah, it's very separate from what the movie's going to be.
2: It sounds confusing when you say it out loud, but if you picked one up and you remembered
1: watching yeah. the show... If you, you ever saw any characters before, it doesn't make sense to you. Is it a good jumping on point for those who haven't
0: seen Power Rangers?
1: The comic? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not that there's much
2: like, real backstory in the show anyway. The comic does a better job of yeah. giving story. More than anything, you would know that they're Power Rangers and they have different colors.
1: Huh. Right. Strange. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the way we open up this book is with a really awesome Batman um, Lego ad. That's not part of the story, but it's an awesome picture. It is cool. I'm excited. About Batman, Batman Lego me. looks great. We'll talk about that later. Proceed. Uh, anyway, we open up with a scene of Angel Grove, which is the uh, city the Power Rangers live in. And uh, we're at the high school, and of course everything seems to be going uh, fairly normal. And then uh, we get a flash to later on, I guess the same day or the same... Somewhere close to the same time frame, and it's a crater in the ground. And the Power Rangers are all there, and they're all sad, and Superman's there, which is odd. And he's there with Zack, and Zack's super upset at himself because he feels like it's all his fault, and Superman's trying to convince him that it's not. And we directly turn to a flashback in time 36 hours prior. And uh, we join the uh, Power Rangers, all meeting to go out and do morphin' stuff. But one of them is missing. Well, one of the side characters is missing. So if you remember the cartoon or the TV show, geez, you had Zordon and then you had Five. Alpha 5, the robot. So the C-3PO. Well, Alpha apparently is missing. He went missing in a way that like he was online and all of a sudden his, his connection to Zordon just dropped. So Zordon sends the rangers out to go look for him. So he teleports him out of the building. And he, of course they decide, well, if anybody finds him, give a call in him right away. Well, as they're out searching, of course, Zack's one that finds him, and there's a giant hole in his chest, and robot parts hanging out, which he actually says, which is kind of hilarious. These parts are all supposed to be on the inside. And I'm like, hilarious, I thought it was really fun. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Anyway, so he activates his teleporter and teleports himself back inside the base with Alpha 5, and the entire time, like, Alpha seems like he's trying to talk, but he doesn't really say anything, he just keeps saying I, I, I. And that's was something from the show? That's what he
2: said all the time in the show. Pretty much,
1: yeah. Anytime anything happened, that was his, that was his go-to with uh, being afraid. Anyway, um, well, as he's in the base, Zordon realizes there's something that's wrong, and uh, of course, Zach's like, "Yeah, there's a giant hole in him. There's never a giant hole in him. There's melted pieces everywhere." And about that time, he blows up, and Zordon had realized that something was wrong with him, being that it wasn't him. Um, and next thing you know, we got Lord Zed, who is inside the Power Rangers base, which is very not normal. So basically, Zack snuck a bomb into the base to allow Lord Zed in by de- breaching the perimeter defenses and short circuiting all the stuff inside with the explosion. All the rest of the Rangers are still out trying to find Alpha at this point. I mean, he did radio to him, but at this point, none of them showed back up. So. He gets up from the explosion, and, of course, Zed's at first pretty impressed with him. He's like, oh, can't believe you're getting up. You should be laid off for arriving in pain. And Zack says, well, there's something else I can do. And he transforms into his ranger form, and basically starts fighting the the putties, which there's a legion of. And the whole time, like, they're basically just talking, he's just talking crap to him. Like, hey, you can't do anything by yourself, kid. There's nothing you can do. He's like, well, I don't have to beat you, or I can't, he's right, I can't beat you. And he's like, ah, oh, Finally, you see my way, but I don't have to beat you. And about that time, he grabs a hold of, of Lord Zed, teleports himself out of the base, which is kind of a brilliant idea, really. Mm-hmm. Problem Afterwards, Zordon manages to inform us as the audience that something was wrong with the teleporter because when the explosion happened, it messed things up. And it turns out Zack teleports not just away from the base, but to a different dimension. And in the teleportation process, he winds up letting go of Lord Zed. I assume he thought to trap him in the teleportation flux or whatever, or to keep himself safe from the thing, because the Duke could tear him apart. Either way, they get separated in the jump, and about that time, all the rest of the Power Rangers show up at the base, see it's a mess, and that there's a bunch of putties there. So that turns into, of course, normal Power Rangers battle. And we cut from there to see Zack show up in a, in a dark... Oh no, in a very dark city, and he's got a putty with him, so he beats the putty up a little bit. And about that time, he encounters who, Ross, Batman, right, Batman. And of course, Zach says, "Oh, I know who you are. You're one of Lord Zed's monsters." And Batman's like, "You must be confused, lad. Put down the axe. And it is kind
2: of funny because you don't really think about it, but Power Rangers, you have crazy like death weapons most. Of the time. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: We don't hardly you hardly ever saw them in the show, really but they all have crazy giant death weapons, and that's basically what Batman is like, hey, put down the weapon, kid. Like, put down the weapon, guy. And, uh, that leads to him, of course, attacking Batman, because, you know, that's a normal thing you do, right? And, uh, in the process of that, of course, Batman fends him off and tries fighting him and realizes that he's stronger than he should be. Uh, but Batman gets up and he's Batman, and about that time he, uh, slaps a pair of handcuffs on him, puts him to face down on the ground to, uh, control the situation, very police authoritarian style, and just about the time Batman got things underhand where he can actually try to talk to the kid without him waving the racks around, the rest of the Power Rangers show up. With and all their crazy death weapons. With movies. all their crazy death weapons, yeah. So this the side, the sword, the bow and arrow, which I guess is the least deadly, but then the two swords. So yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. And so now all of them are fighting Batman. That's what I like. It, it's true. The next thing is kind of funny. What does Batman do, Ross? He has to call for help. Oh, kind that's of. right, yeah. So he, he calls for help, telling the justice that he needs somebody there. And of course, the response he gets is, hey, is this Batman calling for help? Hmm. he's like, no. I'm fighting a bunch of super powered humans, or super powered, what does he call them? Super enhanced beings. And then whoever it is he's talking to is like, super enhanced how? He's like, uh, superpowers, super strength. And about that time, he's like, where are you? And, uh, we get, um, Illinois, now Ohio. And the finishes. was closing in. Well, about that time, the Power Rangers sort of start slowing down and noticing that this guy is not like they normally fight. At least a couple of them do. Zach is not of that opinion at all, but... Two of them are like, yeah, this guy, the Blue Ranger and the Red Ranger, are both kind of like, yeah, this isn't what we normally fight. Like, I don't know what's going on. But about that time, another red character shows up who's a speedster. So the Flash, and he takes all the Power Rangers' crazy power death weapons and ch- chucks them to the floor, and he's like, hey, this is crazy. And about that time, Batman, who's, uh, you know, doing Batman things still, decides to launch a rocket at them from the Batmobile. Because that's how you handle things. Try to blow them up. And uh, it, it does some pretty good damage. But about that time, the Rangers are like, well, I guess it's time to call the Zords. And so uh, the enclose is kind of hilarious. And it's cool we get to see the Zord. I don't know if I want to put the last one on the last page. Because that's where. I mean, it's not like a hook. The hook is that we don't know how where Zed is. And how exactly we deal with these Power Rangers characters. And who's.
2: I think you can say it because it's pretty cool.
1: Okay, so... it doesn't give
2: anything away at all. No, it doesn't.
1: Um, so, it, the pink Power Ranger calls her giant pterodactyl. That's also pink to pick up the Bat-car. And when you see the comparison between the two of them, the bat is in its beak and is tiny. Yeah, it
2: picks it up in its mouth like it's going to yeah. eat it or bring it to baby Pterodactyl. Right. Or...
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, then the Flash calls for help. Uh, because Batman's being taken by a flying pink dinosaur. Which is freaking hilarious. The book's kind of awesome. Uh, it's a six part miniseries, so, I mean, over time, just like The Turtles Batman, I mean, we'll get to it Resolve or whatever. But it was a really cool book. Uh, art's pretty good in it. It's a fun read. Pieces that are funny are funny because of how it's they the fit. Characters yeah. And stuff. yeah. So, uh, like, score wise, I give it a three and a half. No, a four. It, I mean, it's a good book. It's a fun book. I'm interested to read the rest of it. I was never really a Power Rangers kid. I mean, it was on. I, I don't know if Rob watched it more than I did. So I'm aware of it. But it's because of the generation I grew up in. But it wasn't really ever in my bag, really. But I do dig this book a lot. And as far as, like, a story setup, up, I just like how everybody plays their part. And they're written in a fashion that the jokes make sense. They're not, like, overly forced. They're just funny because of what they are. So, yeah, I give it a four. Uh, good book. Good read. Uh, Mr. Ross, what do you think about the uh, Power Rangers and the uh, Justice League?
2: So I was, I was like, super, super into Power Rangers when I was a little kid. Right. But it was never one of the things, like, like, I was also into, like, Batman the Animated Series. And I went back to Batman the Animated Series and was like, oh, this is good, still. And I never had that mindset with Power Rangers. I was never like, I need to go back and watch this again and stuff. But between the regular comic and this one... It's, like, totally turned it around. It's something that, as an adult, you can get into. And it doesn't necessarily make me want to go watch the show again, because I know what that's going to be like. Right. But uh, as far as this book goes, it was really, really good. Uh, the art is awesome in it. Like yeah. you were saying, the like, when it's funny, it's just because the characters are funny. The, the Justice League characters in it are all written perfectly, I think. Like, uh, the part with Superman at the start, is like the Superman I've missed in New 52, and it, he's been really prevalent in Rebirth. And it's like the same character. You don't feel like any sort of weird. He was someone that doesn't know how to write him or anything. And the same with The Flash and Batman. They're both oh, yeah. great. Uh, I'd probably give it a four and a half out of five. It is a really, really good book.
1: Well, this is Curtis. <clears throat>
0: I didn't read it, but my interest factor for that book... I would score that at about a three. Right. I was never a Power Rangers kid ever. Never watched it once. Right. Um, I always thought their uniforms looked stupid, which was kind of a throw off for me. Hmm. Never had a want to visit it, but I like the Justice League and I like the way Batman's drawn in that. Yeah. And uh, I like Tom Taylor as a as a writer. Um, I don't know the artist, but as a to pick it up and read it, probably a three. Sure. So.
2: I'll give you my one thing that throws me off on it. Okay. And this character hasn't shown up in the book yet, but it's kind of weird that they're going with, like, a rebirth Justice League team, but they have John Stewart instead of the Green Lanterns as their Green Lantern oh, right, for it. instead
1: of Hal. It's just kind of a Baz. weird choice.
2: Well, Hal, or the current ones, because right. all, the, all the other characters are written just like
1: the... I think maybe the direction they were taking with it is a cast based out of the Justice League uh, animated series. Because the cast is very similar to that. Except for Cyborg. Well, yeah, but as far as Cyborg, we don't have Hot Girl either, but Hot is so far removed from the situation in books, yeah. you couldn't really use her now and it makes sense. Yeah, we're kind of like a combination of the two, it seems like. like right. new Justice
2: League and cartoon.
0: Right. When you were talking about them having weapons that we really didn't see on the show, right? it kind of reminded me of Ninja Turtles 2 when at the beginning they're fighting these guys with salami and cold cuts and oh, yo right. and stuff yeah. like that because they wanted to take the weapons out of it for the kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why they fought like that. I wonder if that's kind of, they're bringing the weapons in because it's a new or uh, older audience now, quite Probably. possibly. So. I
2: mean, they were in the original show, but they never really did what those weapons did.
0: Neither did them, the turtles,
2: if yeah. you think about it. Yeah, that's I mean? true. Like his his axe, he would usually turn around and just shot
1: like a laser gun instead. Yeah. yeah, fire like a laser gun. I mean, I guess the archer the or the Pink Ranger's bow is what got used. So Kimberly's bow got used correctly, but it's a bow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it also so, shot
2: lasers. That, well, yeah,
1: everything shot lasers, and they were never actually fighting people. They were always uh, fighting putty monsters. Yeah, they can kill everything. Yeah. So I my mean, my real question, Ross, and they, this is this is whether the Power Rangers are going to be okay, or the Justice League is going to feel okay with the Power Rangers just killing everything. I think that was something that was in an
2: interview prior to this book coming out, that that might have been a point of contention between Batman
1: and the Power Rangers. Yeah. Batman gets work done, though, so... Yeah. Occasionally, you see things get blown up.
2: Well, but usually when Batman blows things up, he knows that it's not going to kill anyone. That's true. That's a good
1: point. That's a good point. Blows off a head, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. The internet loses their mind. He knows what he's doing. Generally speaking, yes. But yeah, good I stuff. Have. Good stuff. <clears throat> okay, uh, so we want to talk about what we want to do next. You want to do? You want to do Monsters Unleashed? You want to do? do, do remember Kimura? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember who wrote Monsters Unleashed. Okay, I need to leave. Ross is gonna punch out. Tag out? Tag out? Tag well, since it's, it's, I
2: will not know if I'm tagging out. He but. did a
1: run-in, oh. and now the referee is
0: going to banish him to the back.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, do you know what that means, though? he get to come back later with a chair.
2: Yeah. Sweet. That's pretty
1: awesome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Next week, I'll bring a chair.
1: Sweet. All right, so with, uh, with the old Heartbreak Ross gone... Um, let's, instead, let's move in since we, with the dub with the, the wrestling references, let's move into WWE. <laughs> that's I tried to transition like the Justice League, but I just couldn't do it. Could do it. No, I was trying. It's crazy. You want to tell me a story about WWE? I could.
0: Okay. This is from Boom Studios number one. Uh, now, that's not the whole name of the place. Boom Studios. This is issue number one. Right. Uh, written by Dennis Hopeless. Uh, illustrated by Serge Acuna. Um. Colored by a gentleman named Doug Garberick. I kind of struggled through that. Anyway, so you know that I've kind of stayed away from these because I'm a wrestling fan. Right. And I really don't care about what happens, right? Right. Uh, Because I thought this would all be in-ring crap and they'd be talking crap and blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, That's not the case with this. Um, So I'm surprised that it went the way it did. But there's real no major spoiler because it's about Seth Rollins uh, and him winning the money in the bank. And the money in the bank is a case you carry around and you can cash in at any time to win the World Heavyweight Championship, right? So he wins this in like uh, June of 2014 by beating Dean Ambrose. So they kind of cover the whole SHIELD aspect, and SHIELD was a group of Dean, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins, right? right. So they cover that, and then they go through summer, fall, winter, and he's had this case and gone through a string of losses, and he's had run-ins with other wrestlers outside of the ring. Like, he's swimming and gets uh, splashed on by Dean Ambrose, right? Um, so, in that regard, it's not about, like, I know what's scripted. We all know everything's scripted, right? Right. But it's just like every other TV show that's scripted. Uh, and this is the only thing that I've actually held on to from a kid, so this is the only thing that's been going on since I've been alive, right? So anyway, it's not so much like the back, in the back, you, you see shit, stuff in the back. I cussed, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> uh, behind the curtain, that kind of stuff, right? Right, right, backstage. So, so this is actually like, if it wasn't fake and it was real, this is what would be going on. So since he's had this case, Triple H is kind of running the show with him because he was part of the authority at that time, right? Um, so you see Seth like, hey, I want to cash in now, I want to cash in now, and, uh, and and Triple H keeps saying, no, hold on to it. This isn't the time to do it yet. I'll tell you when it's the time to do it. So then we flash to WrestleMania 2015, uh, and if we all know what happens there, if we've all seen it, obviously he wins the title. But it's how he wins the title that's weird because – they show a segment in the back when he's talking to HBK, who just left. Right. Uh, and HBK's, like, talking him up, like, yeah, you're a good dude. You got all the tools, blah, blah, blah. And eventually you're going to stop asking for permission and just do what you want. Um, so he had a match with Landy Orton where he lost on an awesome RKO. He popped him into the air off his back and RKO'd him, right? <laughs> so that, then he's back talking to HBK. HBK HBK's like, well, you're going to have to stop asking for permission. Um, there's a heavyweight match between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, and he runs out to the ring without Triple H's permission, cashes in, and beats Roman Reigns for te- the U.S. Champion or the Heavyweight Championship. Right. So essentially, that turned into a three person match, but we don't even cover that. We just see him win it. So all the stuff that takes place from him getting money in the bank to that. I mean that's going to be real TV and you can watch it. Right. So there's really no there's no way to spoil it if you've already seen it. Right. So
1: this is like fills in the pieces between what you've already seen what right, you're which, a fan.
0: Which usually I hate that crap. Right. You know what I mean? Just like Rogue One. I hate that crap. Uh, but this kind of gives you that backstory as if it was really real and then this is really what's happening and Triple H does have the authority to withhold all that crap. Sure. So it's kind of interesting in that regard if you're not a wrestling fan I don't know if you give a crap. Right. I really don't. But I enjoyed it, and uh, I'm surprised because you made me buy it.
1: <laughs> okay. You made me... I didn't say no.
0: You made me buy it. Um, but it's all right. And the art in it's really good. I was surprised. They actually do get some likenesses. They have the Usos in there. Um, my only problem with some of it is how Dennis kind of writes Dean or Roman Because that's not what you get from them in the ring, so it's a little different. They use different words and stuff like that. Sure. It just seems like it's out of context for that character. But, I mean, that's the only minor beef I have with it. Um, I like the way Triple H is in it, because he seems like the dickhead that would do all that. Right. And he is the authority and thinks he has all the power. Um, So they captured that very well. Like I said, the art's amazing in it. It's not... Well, it's amazing. No, it's good. It's, it's really good. It's surprisingly That's good. see
1: what drew us to the book in the first place was the
2: art.
0: And to get their likenesses that well, the covers kind of displays that, too. Yeah, well, it does. Um, Dennis Roplas has always been a great writer. Um, I don't know Mr. Acuna, so uh, I'll have to keep my eyes out for him. Um, like I said, I wanted to stay away from this right. as far as I could because I thought it was going to be stupid. Um, it may be stupid to some, but... I like wrestling, so, and I like scripted stuff. Uh, in that regard, because of the surprise factor of how good it is, I would give it a four.
1: All right. It's a pretty good score for it. Yeah. Book wise, so, I, I actually read this yesterday, um, which I I just wasn't necessarily going to follow it, and I don't follow wrestling like you do. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff I know about wrestling are from highlight reels. And, like, when we talk about it, or right. or if I'm watching Lutra Underground, because those people are crazy. Yes. Scripted or not, they're crazy. Right. Um, and it, it was fairly entertaining. And I like how the pieces add together. The art's, like, the art's great. But as far as the story that you're getting from it, it's all those pieces from a wrestler that weren't fighting. Right. So if you think about the, the wrestler movie, it's... Everything else the movie's about, because in that, we we saw him wrestle some, but it was really more about the hardships of his life and how things work together. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what this is, but without the depressing part of it, because it's in their prime years. Right. But for an issue, I I don't know, like you said, I don't know if you are not a wrestling person, if you care or not. If you are a wrestling person, it's like a bigger picture to what you've already kind of know.
0: But you're not really a wrestling
1: person. No. I liked it just fine. So... So, oh, and, yeah. and, and I
0: had my beefs about them writing to these other characters. I right. think
1: they kind of nailed Seth Rollins at so, and he's
0: the main dude.
1: I guess I don't know him well enough to have any idea if that if that fits or not. The other book they put out was the uh, they put out the one shot book. I went through it too, and it. I mean, I, I don't know if it was the same artist or not, but it's similar art. Mm. It was okay. It was entertaining. Um, I don't. I'm not totally sure about if the two books are supposed to connect or not because I don't know enough about the way the wrestling system works, I mm-hmm. guess.
0: When did that come out?
1: Um, let's see, maybe four months ago? Okay. So, there's there a gap between them quite a bit, actually.
2: Right.
1: Uh, but yeah, they, they didn't really do it as a zero shoot. They did it as a number one one-shot, and then I guess its popularity led to the series happening, huh. probably. But yeah, um, I give it a three and a half. I mean, the art's good. I dig the concept idea of it. The fact that you liked it makes it, makes it make sense to me, so... Well, yeah.
0: it was just a, it was out of left field kind of, you Right. it's like, I don't give a crap about that, blah, 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 sure. and then I read it, and I'm like, oh, I can see how they can play it like it's real in the comics, but in real life, it's fake, right. you know what I mean? So, that kind of, that kind of made me happy.
1: <laughs> right on. Well, let's see, so, um, let's do, uh, it's really Gamora, there's something else that's not real in the real world that has a movie, <laughs> it's going to have a second movie, too. <laughs> which is fantastic in May. Um, so, uh, Gamora Issue 2. So, uh, Issue 1 and Issue 2 came out fairly close to each other. Uh, this is a whole batch of new number ones that came out at the beginning or the end of December. Came out pretty quick with the second issues, because we have this one come out at the same time U.S. Avengers came out and Star-Lord. Um, so, if you, if you haven't seen number one, just to set the field, uh, Issue 1 is not, not taking place during current continuity. This is back when Gamora was still... With Thanos. Um, so, as far as the character, she hadn't separated herself from him, whether she was happy being there or not. This is prior to any of the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. So she hasn't met Star-Lord. None of that stuff has happened. Hasn't met Drax. Um, and what we find out is that, if you've seen the movie, you already understand her backstory. Her people were all wiped out. Uh, she was adopted by Thanos because she was the strongest of her people because she was the only one left. This is dealing with her going after the people that killed her her planet and her family. Uh, what you wind up finding out is back to the same aliens that go after Star-Lord's dad and Star-Lord when he's a kid, the Badoon. So, Badoon really have not been featured in, I don't think, any movie stuff before. They're kind of fish face looking guys, kind of. I mean, if you read Star-Lord, the previous run of Star-Lord, you see him in the beginning of the book. And then after that, we don't really see a whole lot of them. That's because they're owned by Fox, right? I don't know who owns the Badoon. I think they're owned by Fox. It's possible. With the scroll. Uh, it's very possible. I don't know enough about that particular race of aliens to know that. But being that they dealt with... They also dealt with the X-Men the Fantastic Four, it's very possible. I, I just don't know where they lie. Um, we catch up with Gamora, and she's already taken out... At this point, she's already taken out the royal family. Save her one last remaining bloodline individual. Who, it turns out, was someone that was banished because... She's only half Badoon, and Gamora feels the only way to finish her bloodlust or to make it not haunt her is to wipe out the entire royal family, and then move forward. So she's tried down this individual who was exiled from the Badoon race for not being a full breed, and she's living on a planet that used to be, uh, I don't know how many books we've seen this place in, uh, it's Ublix, uh, it's U-B-L-I-E-X is how it's spelled, Eubox is the best I can pronounce it. Apparently it was a planet that started out as like a pleasure planet. And then a star next to it collapsed and caused a black hole. So now it's uh, more looked at as a wasteland if you're still there. It's because you don't have a ship strong enough to get you off the planet. And it's slowly being pulled into the black hole. So the planet itself is destined for destruction. There's no... There's no saving it at this point. If you're, if you're stuck on the planet, you're stuck on the planet. So Gamora is not okay with letting that be the way the girl, the way the person dies, so she's out for blood because that's who she is. Anyway, in the process of chasing out that planet, the uh, Badoon are aware of the girl that was exiled, because they exiled her, and they are after her also. So Gamora encounters a batch of ships in space, and they Badoon ships. That leads to a little bit of space battle, um, where she uh, plays chicken with the black hole, and the rest of the Badoon. That seems silly. Uh, it does, but they're chasing her in, a, in an erratic way. In a, in, so basically she went as close as she could and still get away and then left them to basically go over the cliff. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So not like chicken going at each other, more like, uh, God, there's a different name for it when you race towards the edge of a cliff. Feels like I've seen that somewhere. Uh, I'm going to say in a bunch of 50s movies. Well, it was Into the Sun. Oh, yeah, Into the Sun did it too. Yeah. Um, what's his name from, uh, God, he's a famous actor back in the, 60s, Marilyn Monroe and, God, Dean, James Dean. Okay. Crash Car. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, He's, he he did that in a couple movies. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I can't remember what you call it, because I don't, I don't call it chicken, but that's what they describe it as. Anyway, so we get past that stuff, and uh, Gamora basically blacks out in space for a second. Uh, with the time slowdown next to the black hole, we're not sure what happened to her. Obviously, you know she didn't die because she's in the movie, mm-hmm. and in a bunch of other conflicts afterwards. Uh, we wind up joining another character on the planet's surface of Ulux. Um, and she's currently, uh, tied upside down and being interrogated by two thugs. Uh, and the two thugs are looking for a particular item they believe she has. And about that time, we wind up seeing uh, a necklace fall over, fall above her shirt that she's wearing. And the, we get to see the necklace pretty good. It's a ring with a green emblem on the end of it. And, uh, Of course, the thugs decide that's got to be worth money, so they try to steal it from her. In the process of that, we wind up finding out that she's not really one to be messed with either. Very like Gamora as far as being a a fighter, not nearly, I wouldn't say nearly as skilled as Gamora, but she takes both of them out pretty easily once she gets free, and makes them aware that, uh, yeah, you probably shouldn't mess with me, just in general. And uh, she steals her bikes and takes off we find out what they were trying to find is uh, a type of uh, mining dust that apparently is a drug on this planet. And she's been transporting it for one of the families between, like, a courier. So she's not really a seller or peddler. She's more of a delivery person. And uh, she's been doing it for a while, apparently, since she was 12 is what she says. So as far as, like, a clean life, uh, no, not really. But, like, getting by because you're stranded on a planet when you're a kid... Yeah, now it makes sense. Anyway, uh, so we fast-forward from there back to Gamora, and she winds up waking up in the ship as it's entering the the planet atmosphere, and so the ship's kind of trashed, and while she's doing that, the ship's talking to her and explaining what's wrong with itself, and she's like, well, Thanos loves the ship as his favorite, so I guess that's a win. So we already know that she's already got problems with Thanos, and she's okay trashing his favorite ship because it gets back at him, sort of. Ultimately, she wants to crash on the planet regardless, so it's not really a win, but at the same time light around the corner, I guess, is the way she looks at it. Anyway, um, from there we wind up joining a guy on top of a planet who's a bounty hunter type, and we wind up finding out that he's also connected to the two thugs that were after the girl, and he's been given orders to collect her. And we see the person giving the orders is a Badoon um, a Badoon alien who is trying to collect her so he can continue the bloodline. And that's what they're, all they're worried about, is the royal family's bloodline. That's the only reason they care about getting this girl. And is there to kill her, but ultimately he doesn't have any idea what she looks like. When they first introduce her, they don't even name her. So, I mean, they catch up to her name here in a little bit. But as far as, like, the chase is concerned, it's pretty obvious that she doesn't realize exactly what's going on outside Planet It doesn't seem like there's a lot of communication to the planet because of the way it's been left as a barren wasteland for the most part. I mean, it's got nice buildings that are all trashed, but it used to be like a party world, and now it's a place people avoid, and it's been taken off most maps because of being next to the black hole. Anyhow, um, well, the plane, the ship crashes, and of course, our girl sees a crash, and she bolts, which the guy was going to try to take her out right before it happened, and, uh... She bolts because she sees the plane, the ship crash, and says, Oh, a crashed ship means there's ship parts. And we get the idea that she's been trying to build her own ship to escape the melting planet. And that's what she's been trying to do, and that's the whole reason she's been working for these the families, is to raise money to build her own ship so she can get away. Um, of course, that leads her to uh, Gamora, who's passed out in a heap of parts and uh, in this crater. And then we wind up running into another faction on the planet that's a real problem. Um, I'm going to leave it there because it gives us a little closer... That gets too close to where the cliff is at the end of the book. Um, I'll tell you what that faction does. That faction is a batch of, like, priest types that sacrifice people because they believe it'll feed the the hole in space. So they're basically just crazy zealots. Um, Which is... They're kind of terrifying, the way they look. The cloaks are really cool looking, but yeah, they're obviously crazy people. And uh, yeah, that's where I'll stop it at, just because it's, you know, it's too close to what is happening with the book. Uh, I, pr- I should have told everybody who worked on this thing. Uh, n- uh, Nicole Perlman is the writer, and Marco Ciccetto is the artist. Uh, Cicetto is a fantastic artist, by the way. Um, other stuff he's done, Spider-Man stuff, he- great. Uh, Punisher. and Yeah, and the Punisher, too. Yeah, he did that ruck rum which was awesome. Anyway, uh, score wise, I give it a three and a half. I mean, it's entertaining. It's cool to see backstory for Gamora. I don't really remember reading a lot of Gamora stuff before. I mean, I read her when she was in Guardians, and not Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, Guardians of the Galaxy also before Guardians of the Galaxy, when she used to run around with Drax, we wore the purple costume. She was in the Infinity uh, Infinity Watch, mm-hmm. and I read a lot of that stuff. There wasn't a whole lot of it. I mean, it was maybe eighteen issues. But other than that, I didn't really see a whole lot more of her, safer in those situations dealing with Thanos and Adam Warlock. So, like, seeing a story that kind of gets explained in the movie, sort of, in a comic book form to actually ex- to actually explain it, kind of cool. So I definitely did that. Um, like I said, three and a half. It's, it's got awesome art. It's a decent story. It's been fun. Um, and I think this is going to lead to some other cool stuff for this other character we've just met. Um... That's all I'm going to say now, I guess, about that book. However, if you haven't read it, you really should. Simply because it's really cool. If you did Guardians of the Galaxy at all, it's a really cool book. Because you already know who the players are, savor a few of these new people, and you know how they really pay off in the end. I mean, she, at this point, she's still kind of friends with Nebula. Which, that goes in and out in the comic book, so... We'll see what happens with that later on. Uh, Mr. do you have anything about Gamora?
0: I think the art's fantastic. Um, I always, for some reason, the the new Space Marvel stuff, I always pitted against the Abnett Lanning... Is that right? Abnett Lanning? Uh, Andy Lanning. Yes. Abnett Lanning, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy from like 08. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. So I always pit it against that and how is it going to hold up. Um, I shouldn't do that because I never usually do that. Uh, but...
1: I always put it against that, and that just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. Um, that yeah. run of Guardians, that particular run of Guardians was previous, of course, it was before the movie, but as far as, like, a series that maybe they drew from for the movie, that's where it came from. Because yeah. the way the characters all play together in there is the way they play together in the movie. It's just so, amazing. Yeah, it's great. That particular um, run is fantastic.
0: Interest alone, my, probably two and a half. Uh, I usually love the space stuff, right? Um, but this, that one in particular, for some reason, just doesn't do any, uh, do it for me. And I think it's only because Gamora uh, needs somebody else to play off of, right? That's how I think it is. Um, she can hold her own series if it wasn't this far space adventurous. You know what I mean? If it was right. more, more uh, street level stuff for her, because I think she is a pretty badass lady. Yeah but I don't think she can hold that high sci-fi aspect of it.
1: And I don't know why. Right. You know what I mean? Well, Um, I think once we get to issue three, I'm pretty sure the piece is going on with this new girl character, who I I didn't name on purpose so people are aware, Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what the point of that is. So it's going to turn into kind of, the way I feel it's going to go, at least during the first arc, is going to go kind of uh, buddy cop style with the two of them. Right, because I'm pretty sure that by the time that all gets explained, neither one of them will be had with who the other one is. But it's going to work out in a kind of cool way. But you mentioned Nebula. Yes, she's a character I think could hold that high sci-fi. Well, she also has a crazy look to her. And like the nebula's in the first issue, and they compare. The, like there's points in the first issue where the two of them we see the sibling rivalry, even though they're not technically related. I mean, they're like steps or like uh, adopted sisters. Mm-hmm. So we still see that there and how Gamora was constantly favored over Nebula because we straight up see Thanos discipline Nebula in ways that are way out of line. And Gamora doesn't get that same treatment maybe because she was the first or just because she's better.
2: Well,
0: even the Drax, I don't think he can carry a book by himself either. He needs to have somebody else to play off of. If they did a Drax-Gamora book, I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Because they're both outlandish uh, Corsairs of the Stars or something like that. You sure. know what I mean? Um, but I think Gamora would lend towards Drax's sensibilities, and Drax could lend toward her savage side. Right. I think they'd play off well on each other if they just had their own book. Well, sure. A couple stuff. Especially kind of... since she's the spawn of Thanos. Right. And he's going after Thanos. So right. I think that's a good dynamic with those two. Sure. Um, but two and a half for that book itself. Um, it just It, it isn't enduring to me right now. Chichetto's awesome. I don't know Perlman. Right. Uh, but maybe come the third issue, it'll pick up to a point where I'm like, meh,
1: I want to pick that up. Cool. <clears throat> right on, right on. Um, okay, so let's do some uh, Monsters Unleashed. Monsters Unleashed
0: um, by Colin Bunn, uh, Steve McNiven, Jay Leaston, David Curiel, and VCs Travis Lanham. It's uh, a lot of names. It is. <clears throat> so my, my thought about this was, seeing it from the cover, I'm very far removed from Marvel's continuity right now. Right. Which is why I was liking the space stuff, because I didn't have to get all up in this. Seeing the cover, I thought, man, I know these monsters. It's going to be a good time. Reading it, not so much. Uh, not, not the good time part, but the monster part. Um, because...
1: Being characters you know.
0: Right. Yes. Uh, So we see that these monsters are coming to the Earth from, like, asteroids or comets or whatever you want to call them that come into the Earth's atmosphere and hit ground. I think it's comet. Comets. Astro. I don't remember. Meteor, maybe? There you go. So anyway, they're crashing to the ground by some unknown forces bringing them to us. And when you see these monsters, they are monsters. They're not... uh, Devil Dinosaur, which he's in this book, too, but he's with Moon Girl. So, anyway, they're not like that size. They're not uh, Fing-Fing-Foom. They're extravagant monsters that are giant, right? Stories tall. Um, Some that I have never seen, and I'm assuming nobody's ever seen, but when I look at them, I'm thinking, okay, was this in Astonishing Tales? Was this in Beware from the 70s? You know, that kind of stuff. So, I don't know if it's something that has been out there before, because Groot was one of those monsters way back in the day. When he first started, yeah. Right? So now it's like, okay, maybe they're bringing some stuff to the forefront again. I don't know that just yet. Yeah, I don't know that either. I'm assuming as much, but yes. Uh, So these monsters are obviously destroying, uh, like, they're in Boston at this time, right? And we have the Avengers, which I'm unfamiliar with the Avengers right now, but we have Captain America, Spider-Man, Vision, uh, Thor, Wasp, and Hercules, right? I like that Hercules, Hercules is in there. Right. Man, he's got one of the coolest lines in this book. Um, have you read it yet? No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, but it's just a bunch of fighting monsters, right? spider mans is his wisecracking self, using his webs to shut mouths of giant monsters. Um, and evidently they, they are able to fell a monster. Um, but there's another one that comes up, and Hercules is obviously... Uh, he's, this is the line that's awesome there, right? Uh, they're naming off who they are, Thor, Goddess of Thunder, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so he says, and Hercules, Prince of Power and Lord of Picking Up Heavy Objects and Throwing Them. <laughs> so that, that to me is awesome and <laughs> where it's coming from. So It's pretty good. So yeah. after they fell that one monster, we get a couple more monsters. Um, we don't have any decisive end to that battle. So, But then we go to London where we have the X-Men. And it's a weird lineup, because I don't know... Because Jean Grey looks like Marvel Girl to me. Is that is that from the 60s, when
1: they came it's, forward? It's the time traveled Jean Grey. How are they doing that with continuity? Um, well, at this point, all new X-Men, none of the kids have gone back. Um, time-wise, they tried to send them back in a batch of books that happened during... Just after Battle of the Atom. And after Battle of the Atom, the machine wouldn't teleport them. Or wouldn't... Time travel law. I,
0: I remember that, but how is that not going to negate Gene's existence?
1: Jean's existence. I'm thinking the, the, the best I can understand it from what they showed us in All-New X-Men, because there's a point during the f- first run of All-New X-Men where Kid Cyclops basically dies, Old Cyclops disappears, they revive Kid Cyclops, and Old Cyclops reappears. I remember that, too. So it tells us all it's a giant circle, and at some point they have to go back in order to make the reality continue. I think the reason they couldn't go back, and this hasn't really been revealed anywhere, so this is just my read on it, folks, with the New X-Men in mind. When they tried to send them back after Battle of the Atom and the machine wouldn't do it and wouldn't let them time travel, in Battle of the Atom we had a batch of X-Men from the future, Mm -hmm. time travel back to the past. So we had three generations of X-Men, the kids from the 60s, Our modern-era versions of them that are still alive, and then a batch of them from the future, like Days of Future, Past Future. Age of Apocalypse. Right. So because of that happening, during the battle, most of those characters died or disappeared, with a few that we didn't see die, in theory, are still hanging out during the current timeline. So I think because of those ones being alive, so the Jean Grey from the future that's hell-bent on keeping things the way they are, I believe that she's still in her current reality, and so the machine couldn't send them because that version was still around. So it negated the time travel, because the one in the future never left. Okay. So the reality, if she continues to exist, reality breaks. Okay. So based on the way they showed a the Cyclops die and come back, I'm seeing at some point all the X-Men ends as a series, and they had time travel back to the past. That would negate the future gene, Unless something else happens with time travel with her, which could, and then we'd have two Jean Grays. But everything they've seen now, I'm saying, I'm calling as being, once they go back in time, X wipes their brains, and they move forward. Okay. Shorter explanation of why we have Old Man Logan. Um, Secret Wars happened. During Secret Wars, all the realities were smashed together. And when it ended, the realities that spit out were connected. So Old Man Logan went from his reality to our reality.
0: Okay. So anyway, we have Storm, Iceman, Old Man Logan, Jean Grey, Nightcrawler. Um, And they're fighting in London, and I don't know why, but it's like a spidery monster that shoots out like lava from its tentacles. It's weird. Um, Obviously, we go to uh, Wakanda. They're fighting a monster. There's a lot of fighting monsters in this book. It's, It's surprising. And then we go to Seattle, where we have the Guardians of the Galaxy fighting a monster. And we have uh, Groot and Rocket making fun of the Space Needle. <laughs> um, it's good comedy. It makes sense. Um, they're able to dispatch of that monster. And then we go to Venice, Italy, where we have the Inhumans fighting a monster with the help of Karnak, who's surprisingly good at that
1: kind of stuff. And his whole... His whole power is understanding everything's weakness. Right. So... So, then
0: we have a flash to Devil Dinosaur, Moon Girl, Moon Girl trying to figure out exactly, through modern science, why we're having these monsters kind of uh, attack our place of existence. Um, not a bad book. There's a lot more to it, especially with the Hulk punching a giant spider in the eye. Um, and then we... We are reintroduced to somebody who's been on the monster side of Marvel for a long time. Uh, great character. I'm, I'm glad they're back. Uh, but one of those characters who themselves said they should have seen this coming and they should have better prepared for it. Uh, so, and then we find out the somewhat, I think, an, an origination of why these monsters are here with a battle going on with this other character. So um, the way the dynamic's going to play out, I think, is going to be great. Uh, I think this book, honestly, probably could have been done in ten pages. Uh, There's a lot of story to it that brings you nowhere and just leaves you on a cliffhanger of, hey, these were fighting those monsters and, you know. It's a lot of open-ended pieces. Well, it is, and it's kind of sad because I was really expecting a lot. It's a good setup issue, I'm not going to lie, but I think it could have been done on a lot less pages. Uh, Colin Bunn's a great writer. Uh, Steve McNiven, great artist. Uh, I, I do want to see where it goes, but it was kind of a, you know, a, it felt like a filler issue, I guess, just to start it out. Um, <clears throat> in that regard, I'll give it about a three. It's, it's, it's a good startup. Um, there wasn't enough substance in it to keep me, wanting to learn more, I
1: guess. Hmm. Okay, well, it is a miniseries. It only runs six. So as far as, like, setting the gauge Mm -hmm. for everyone, I think they really wanted all the characters, or a majority of the characters in the universe to be dealing with this problem. Because there's a lot of events that happen where people just don't get involved in it because they're not connected to it. Mm -hmm. Like, Battle Adams is an example. Nothing to do with any of the other characters outside X-Men. Which makes sense, considering. But at the same time, you have the end of the world happening... With a rogue back to X Men, you think the Avengers aren't going to do something? Seems questionable. Spider Man, okay, maybe not, because depending where he's at. But you have giant sentinels in a giant battle with a whole bunch of mutants, the fact that Avengers don't show up is questionable. You know what? Have you ever seen a movie called Godzilla All Out Monsters Attack? Um, yes. That's what this reminds me of. I was going to say, with them all showing up on the planet, I think this is a, it's a very similar idea. Yeah. But the character at the end they introduce, because I, I, I've, I've flipped through the book, I have not read it, is one of my favorites. Uh, She's great. They are great. Yes. Alright, uh... Could you give a score? I, I haven't read it, so I don't... What about your interest score? I'm really interested in it, actually, just because the characters that are revealed. Like, that stuff, cause we, I feel like we haven't seen them in a minute. We did see, we did see at least one of them during Secret Wars with their own book, and that was cool, and I like that one a lot. But then after Secret Wars, we haven't seen them at all, and the only place they really fit is with monster characters. So if there's not monster things happening, we don't usually see them. Right. So because of that, and that particular character, like I'm into it a three and a half, four, four, because I I like the I love the art. This seeing it looks great. I haven't read it, so I don't know how the story plays out. I know that he's a good writer. Yeah. Um, and as far as, like, cast members or whatever, I mean, I dig, like I said, the, the couple people in the, so the end of the book with the reveals, the, where the characters I'm into. So, just that alone, I I give it three and a half. Okay. So. That's what I like to hear. Score-wise, I'm, I'm really interested in reading it, I just haven't got to it. So, that's on me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move on to Curse words. From uh, Image Comics. Uh, this is uh, written by uh, Charles Soule, and uh, art is done by Ryan Brownie. Um, so, if you know uh, God Hates Astronauts, then the art will look familiar to you. So, this particular book, I want to say the pitch that's, that really got me in, into the idea of it was in the original previews catalog, because our base is like the short pitch for it. We have a wizard from the past who is in the present. And, uh, how he plays with the world. Uh, the way the book opens up, we want to meet our main character, who's, a uh, he's a magician, and he's, uh, in the process of taking an order from a, uh, client. This particular client is, uh, a rap star, who, uh, is tired of being, uh, tired of everyone coming after him as, as the best rapper ever, and he doesn't want the other people around him to exceed him. And so, he, uh, his name, his his name in the rap game is Johnny One, and he wants to be Johnny Platinum because no concussion, with he's Platinum, and so he's busy trying to convince our wizard to uh, transform him into full living Platinum. As they're working the deal, he basically tells him, "Well, you pay me what I want, and I'll do it for you." But keep in mind, this stuff can't be changed after it's done, and it might not be the best idea to do. So, you know, uh, be careful with what you actually want. He tells him that there's uh, three three rules. No curses, no wars, and no love. So he won't do spells to cause curses. He won't do spells for war. He won't do spells for love. And, of course, Johnny's like, oh, no, no, I just want to be metal, man. I want you to make me platinum. And, of course, um, it's a weird request. And uh, our wizard has a pet, well, has a... He appears to be a pet koala. And uh, he looks at the koala, and the koala shrugs his shoulders like he can't believe it either. He takes his payment, and, and we introduce our wizard's name, who is Wizlord. Um, odd name, but it makes sense in the book. So he casts his magic, does his spell, and sure enough, Johnny is turned into a platinum man. And he is super, super happy about it, until he realizes that he can't feel anything anymore in his face or in his body, because he's now metal, and metal doesn't have nerves. And even though it's living metal, apparently, the way it works, he doesn't have any feeling at all. Um, then about that time, we get interrupted by a, uh, another wizard um, who's here to kill Lord, and that wizard... Blows up the office, and it sends Johnny flying out the window, and uh, cracks the hell out of him on the pavement. So he's very broken now. And uh, Wizlord starts battling the other wizard, and the other wizard is dressed very, like, old school, like, medieval times style. Like, puffy pants, crazy puffy hat, and Wizlord looks like a hipster. He's got a button-up vest and short hair with a giant long beard. The battle starts as a giant kaboom, and then we flash back to the first day of Wizlord showing up in Central Park. And when he does, he is dressed very old-school Gandalf-style. His hair is completely black, which we see in the future, or brown. We see in in our current timeline for him, his beard is very gray with pink and blue colors in it. And then the hair on top of his head is brown. Um... He's in the park, and uh, he's approached by some police. So they're they horseback, mountie type, who believe he's just a homeless man. And he is very, very angry, not in control of himself. His eyes are completely white out. He's got no pupils. And uh, about the time the constables try to get him to calm down, turns one of them complete statue. Turns the other one, to, turns the other one who's not on the horse in into complete statue. And then takes and takes the horse, casts a spell on it to ride it. And uh, he takes off with a flying horse. Um, In the process of that, we wind up seeing this little rat jump onto him, and the rat is talking to him. It turns out the rat was sent ahead by the Dark Lord to figure out where the things were that the wizard would need in order to cast a spell to bring the Dark Lord to the present to control the universe, to control the world. And so... They set out going to collect things, and so Wizlord's walking through the grocery store, picking random things up off the shelves, and the entire time, people around him were talking, but he can't understand them. Eventually, he casts a spell on himself to be able to understand, and as he starts to see what the world is now from what he came from, he decides maybe, even though he starts casting the spell to open the portal, that maybe it's not such a good idea to do that. And uh, he starts to decide that maybe he likes the modern universe, um, then eventually one day he decides, you know, I don't want to do this. And he quits doing, he, turn, he takes the potion off the, uh, off the fire that he was creating it with and, uh, bottles it. And he decides to go into Central Park and revive the statues. And when he does it, he does it in front of a lot of people and basically turns himself into a internet wizard superstar. And about that time, we see his life take a total change. It was fairly quick at this point, because we jump through, like, um, almost like a uh, montage style. And he goes from being this unknown dude in the park with a crazy beard to being a trimmed-down hipster guy that's super famous and is the real thing as a wizard. And so people come to him wanting things done. His familiar, the uh, rat, asks him to change him into a koala, so he does, which is why the koala was sought for advice in the office, because it's his, uh, familiar, actually. Anyhow, so we don't pass that, we re- return to the battle, um, above the city, and stuff's getting trashed. Wizlord and, uh, this other wizard wind up in the middle of, a baseball diamond, and, uh, Wizlord tells him, he, he, you know he sent you to die. You're, there's no way you could ever stop me. And he's like, oh yeah, he knows. He's totally aware that he was sent to, as a, as a, as a sacrifice, that you're supposed to impart a message that the, that the, that the Dark Lord is coming. And Wizlord kills the hell out of him in front of everyone in the baseball stadium. So this world is in love with him sees him fry a dude to death. And then we have a big kind of catch at the end of the book that I'm going to stop and not explain because that's the real catch. It makes you wonder what exactly we're dealing with for real. Um... Book wise like, it's pretty interesting like the, the, the title curse words doesn't make you think what they really mean by the title because it's basically about magic. Um, I'm super interested in reading the next book. I give it a three and a half I mean the art the art's good. it's, it's a little chaotic depending on what you like because there's a lot of stuff that happens in it which is the same thing with them if you've got his astronauts they have a lot of stuff going on in every panel. So the artist is he's super busy with everything. So there's never nothing, never in nothing. Or sorry, there's never not a panel interesting to look at because there's a lot of stuff in it. The color palette a little weird for me because there's a lot of pinks, a lot of nebulous blues. So I don't know if I like the color palette so much, but the tone of the book is that direction. So be it. Yeah, like I said, I give it three and a half. I I dig it. I'm interested in the next book. Charles Soule's a great writer. Um, So I would say if you haven't tried any of that stuff, that I would start here. Guidance Astronauts is a little more crazy uh, in general. But yeah, I think uh, Curse Words, I, I definitely dig it. I, I saw an email the other day saying it's going back to second print, so apparently it's popular. But yeah, I definitely dug it. Interested to see another issue. That's, that's all I got on that. I'm going to stop. Curtis, did you, did you read this book? Do you have anything about it? <clears throat> I didn't, but I like. So
0: Ryan Brown is hard for me to nail down as an artist. Right. Because like you said, he's got a different color palette, and he does put a lot of detail into a panel. All that got lost in God God Hates Astronauts. By about the fifth or sixth issue, I was done with it. Right. But I loved the idea of what he was doing, uh, just the super ridiculousness of it. Um, Cowboy Ghost, uh, Tiger Eating Cheeseburger, all that, you know? (laughs) Right. But by the fifth issue, I just, I I lost it, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Um, With this, it feels the same way. It's almost like Charles Soule wrote this for him, is what it seems like. Uh, If it was a little darker in tone, I think it would be that much better, uh, because these are the same colors from God Hates Astronauts. Right. You know, Um, it just doesn't endear me to this book for some reason. Uh, if it was something crazy and outlandish, this isn't that crazy and outlandish to, to that particular other title. Uh, but I don't want to put him against his old work or what right. the hell ever. Sure. Uh, my interest in it is probably at about a 2.5. I could take it or leave it. Right. Um, I've looked through it. It's crazy. Uh, it's just not, it doesn't nail that particular want that I have Sure. for that particular book. And I'll be honest, if it was a different artist, it may endear me more to it. Right. But I like Ryan Brown a lot. So I don't no, know. No, he's definitely a good I, artist. I don't know where the disconnect is in it. I think it's a Charles Soule writing to whatever this is. Right. And I think if a different artist were doing it, I may pick it up more. But I'm at about a 2.5 on it. Okay. I may let it simmer for a
1: while and look it up. Sure, then, sure. Like, I think part of the tone for it. Is to lead to what the darkness actually is, mm-hmm. because the catch on the end, of the, the, the end of the book is where it makes you question what's really going on, right? And like exactly how far these characters are willing to go, and what their main goal or purpose is. Um, so it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big, like oh my god, kind of thing at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the lighter color palette around that is will will make that more off putting, and so I think it may be purposeful. And that's the idea to sell off putting this because when you get to the end of it, you're like, "Oh my god, what just happened?" So I don't know if that's an element to help with that or not. Well, and I'll give you that because when
0: you had it open, yeah, and I saw that last page, I'm like, "What the hell? That's not the same." So right, it may it may draw you into
1: it. Yeah, like I said, I dig it. I mean, if you get a chance to read it at some point, maybe maybe you'll find similar likes to it or not. Uh, as far as comparing other work, I mean, Charles Charlesville's written a lot of stuff, so... Book-wise, if that is the intent, is that The Color palette set that way to sh- get us to the shocking parts and move forward, awesome. If it's set this way all the way, I mean, I don't know, I like it enough to keep reading it, so... I say check it out if you guys haven't got a chance to. Uh, you really probably should. But yeah, as far as, like, books are concerned, I, I dug it. Uh, they did do an- another co- alternate cover that had a gold lettering and, like, an old-school classic image eye on it. There's going to be a batch of covers that are coming out this next two months that are, like, throwback-style covers. It was the same image on the front, but they had the old image eye and then the raised, like, golden letters, which is cool. There's going to be a couple that are like that. They're doing a throwback one for Invincible. It's to uh, Youngblood. So, like, a Young Blood remake cover with Invincible characters. They're doing a Walking Dead remake cover for a book called... Um, killer, Killer, or, ah, God, Die ki- kill or Killer, or Killer, Don't Kill, or something like that. It's, it's an issue five or six. I can't remember what the name of the book is. But it's a straight up, like, Walking Dead Rick Grimes cover, but with the other character. Um, there's a couple other ones that going to come out that are like that that look pretty cool. I think the next one for God Country is a Savage Dragon number one reissue cover. But with the character from God Country, so the old man. Which, if you were listening last month, you or last episode, you heard us talk about God Country, uh, or me talking about God Country. So issue two has a throwback cover to Savage Dragon. Anyway, that's like talking about books to watch, not actual what we were talking about. I got confused in there for a second. Yeah, that's a lot of nonsense to throw at you. Uh, okay, well, um, I don't know if you've been around since we started this. So Curtis, what'd you learn today? <laughs>
0: Oh, God. You mean like, you know what? I think I did this once. Um, Gamora is badass, and she
1: needs help carrying a book. (laughs) That may may change later. Okay. I'm going to let that one go. Uh, What did I learn today, Curtis? I don't know. Come on. Am I supposed to make something up? Yes.
0: Uh, Cheese balls make your fingers sticky. I didn't learn that today, but
1: I know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I, um, it's okay. So let me do I'll do it do one my own. I learned today that uh, giant monsters are coming to the Marvel Universe is a lot like Godzilla movies. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah. I see what because you're doing. Because they all show up for someone to kick their butt. Awesome. Not all wizards are good. Not all wizards are good. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That would be another thing that... Well, I learned that when I read that book, but yes. That's very true. <laughs> uh, okay, uh do you have some books to watch at all? No. No? What about uh, American Gods? No. You of that at all? Giant Minotaur guy?
0: Oh, no. We talked about... No.
1: No? No.
0: I'm not I'm not interested in that in the least.
1: Okay. I think it looks interesting.
0: I know you know. I don't
1: know if the show is something I care about, but the experience in San Diego with that was weird, so... Uh, these books to watch, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you brought it up. I, well, I know. I it generally gives me a second to think about Dr. it. Dr. is On top of things. Dr. Afra has been great. Um, I do dig that. Um, Current Green Arrow is really pretty good, too. Like, I, I'm digging the, the Black Canary and him combo in the book. I think that's cool. We didn't get any of that during the 52, really. So I'm definitely digging that. Um... Justly, Justly, Suicide Squad, I think where it's going for Justly America, I say watch for that one, because I think the end of this is going to line that book up. And I'm pretty interested to see how that cast plays together, because we're dealing with the cast of partially villains or people that were Suicide Squad members, because the cover, the cover for issue one sells it with Lobo, Batman, Killer Frost, Black Canary. So, like, it's a mixed match of characters that are good with or they are bad with good intents and characters that were just bad that may now be good and it's classic Lobo so that definitely makes me happy but I think uh, that particular book will be fun to carry and fun to watch uh, read wise I have a feeling at some point we'll wind up having Lobo replace Batman and Superman in it but that's because he's a powerhouse and kind of grumpy so I think that'll be cool um, yeah, but
0: what's going to make him do good things for the sake of being good? Unless it, he's in the Suicide Squad, where it, he has to.
1: It all depends on how the end of the But then right. he can't die anyway. Exactly. So, what's the point? Like I said, I think once we get to the end of this particular book, uh, this particular crossover, that'll explain why that happens. And I have a feeling he'll have his own reasoning, kind of like Lex Luthor has for being his own Superman. And Lex Luthor is stupid. Yeah. It depends who you ask and what movie you're talking about. Comic books, he's stupid. No, he's, he's not stupid. Yes, he's no, stupid. he's not. He's just confused about what he likes better, crime or being awesome. Shut up, crime! Right? (laughs) (laughs) That's a totally different movie too, which is also awesome. Uh, Dark, dark movie, but awesome. Super, yes. In title alone, no. That was kind of sort of playing off. No, in case you didn't know, people, the movie's name is Super, but it is a dark. It is it's dark. It's good stuff, though. What's it like? There was another movie, superhero movie, that was out. Like that. The one with Woody Harrelson where he's handicapped? I can't remember the name of it. Prescription? No. I know there's one called Rx that had
0: Michael Rappaport in it. Oh, I never saw that. And he thought that he could fly, but it was drug-induced. Oh. And I know which one you're talking about, but I can't remember. But yes, there is a correlation there. Yeah. I'll shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Books to watch. Books to watch. Marvel Monsters Unleashed. Okay. Hopefully... That first book lays the groundwork groundwork for a good story, right? And not just uh, all out monsters attack. So, oh, this was your turn, huh? No, you're, you're good. It's all it's all group it's all group work. I don't even know what comes out, man. I'm I'm removed bad. Yeah, well, I've oh. been I've been trying to read Red Hood and the Outlaws. Right. I've been thinking about picking up Trinity. Oh. Superman. Yes. Superman. I read the
1: uh, Frankenstein.
0: I was doing the Macho Man thing. Yeah, you were. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Frankenstein one with him. 12 and 13. And yeah. you described how he's Superman. Right. And the other Superman's not Superman. Right. This guy's Superman. So that's kind of wanting me to like Superman. <laughs> and it's been a long time since I like Superman. Right. So, but that was a good two issues. I'm going to pick up multiplicity, hopefully. We'll see
1: where it leads from there. Okay. So don't put those in my poll. I'll take That's them That's all right, the right, No worries. You're good. The Currency of stuff is really good. Um, I'm super excited for uh, Super Sons, even though, like I've said multiple times, I don't like the title. I think that the book's going to be great. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of a punny thing. I'm sure it is. Going into it, yeah. you know what I mean? But, yeah, Tomasi's a great writer. As far as the setup, the few pages of art we've seen for it look great. So if it's any indication of what happened in issue 10, 10 and 11 of Superman, then it, the book's going to be great. is like a poor man's Jeff Johns. I, I wouldn't call him that because the guy's fantastic.
0: I, I know, but nobody knows who Tomasi know, is. Yeah. Everybody knows who Jeff Johns is. That's true. And he's writing just as good stuff as yeah. Jeff Johns ever did. That's true. He just hasn't had the uh, freedom to take the universe and make it his own. I'll give you that.
1: So... Yeah. But him and Gleason, backbone of DC right now. They're great. Like, all their Batman Robin stuff, all the Green Lantern. They did Green Lantern Corps for a very long time, too. Yeah, they've been together for, like, ten years, it seems like. Yeah, like, Like the the group, that whole group of guys have been working together for a while. So good. Which we talked about then a lot, so I'm sure you guys have heard us say that. I know. But, I mean, Tomasi's... His core was great. His Batman Robin was great. The Mighty was amazing. The Mighty, yeah. Damn, so really good. good book. It was really good. So good. And like his, uh, his, his Wonder Woman Superman, Wonder Woman, for a book that we were afraid he was going to be very CW, the bad parts of CW, yeah. it was great. Yeah. So writer-wise, dude, he, he's, he's fantastic. And it's not like, oh, he's going to write
0: that. It's going to be amazing. No. It's more like, hey, let's read it and find out if it is good. Right. And it is good. Yeah. But he can't beat his Green Lantern Corps stuff.
1: No. I mean, Green his Lantern Batman stuff, was... Batman
0: and Robin stuff was good. Yeah. But the Corps was amazing. And he was writing that uh, alongside Jeff Jones, wasn't yep. he? John was doing Green Lantern. He was doing Grand The Corps. So. so good.
1: I'm, yeah. so,
0: I'm sorry. I'll stop doing that. <laughs> I'm fanboying right now. Oh, I,
1: know. I, uh, I know. It's all good, though. But, yeah, if you ever read anything by uh, by by Tomasi, you really should give it a try because he is very good. We, we all definitely enjoy his stuff in the store. So, Batman, what was that, 18? The Silent Issue? Yeah. Oh,
0: my God. It's a really good book. Him and Gleason were, like, tugging at my heartstrings.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Batman Robin. Yeah, it was a good run. Yeah. going to read that again. Or we'll look at it. <laughs> well, that one, it's more looking than that particular issue. Yeah. It? Yeah. There's no words in it. Mm. Yeah. It's like they took Marvel's "Enough Said stuff. Right. And blew
0: it out of the water with one issue. <laughs> All that crap, one issue, bam.
1: Hmm. Good times. Anything else, Curtis? Tiki. 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 To key. Scissor. <laughs> Not gonna <very> do
0: it. <laughs> Not <very> gonna <laughs> do it. Oh,